Today's episode of Your Stories is brought to you by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free in your app store. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey everybody, Eric Arnault here, back with one more episode of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast. This is the second half of our crossover with Lily B's The Stoop storytelling show that we recorded a couple weeks ago, and man was it a special night. This week, you'll hear stories from Whitney Wasson, Javier Suarez, and J.J. Ranvier, as well as some words from Crystal Dino, whose brother Chris was one of the reasons we all got together to share stories and do some good in the first place. Now, if you want to help Chris out, we'll post a link to his GoFundMe page with this episode on nerdalogs.com, in the podcast feed, and on Facebook as well. Uh, so what comes next for your stories? Well, the show's going to take another small break in Chicago. I promise you'll hear more episodes before quarter three of 2019 is out, though. Uh, we've got some really exciting stuff coming down the pipeline, just not necessarily the way we planned it when the year started. So, you know, uh, there's always a rebuilding phase. Uh, but thanks for sticking with us. I think we've got a bright and reinvigorated future coming soon. Some really exciting announcements I'm stoked for. Uh, in the meantime, we have like 300 archival episodes if you really want to... Um, get your fill of the show just this week i was listening to the one where we did all the taylor swift songs i think that was intrigue from the middle of 2016 that was fun uh, but enough about that how about some stoop style stories here we go we're gonna play a couple more songs to kick off part two katie why are we playing these songs these songs uh got me through my divorce I got divorced when I was 27 years old, because uh, you shouldn't get married when you're 23 years old. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, and this first song um, is by Jack White, who is uh, my religion. I have my, my ring is Jack White. Um, he and his music have gotten me through a lot of hard times in my life, and I fucking love him. And if you want to fight me about it, you will die. So, um, <laughs> cool. This is a warm and accepting show, except yeah. for that. <laughs> 
I mean, I don't book people who talk shit about Bruce Springsteen on Facebook. There so. you go. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, yeah, this song, uh, yeah, got me through my divorce. Uh, he sings about a lady who I really identify with. Is it you? It's not. Cut off the bobs of my feet. Make me walk on salt. Take me down to the police. Charge me with assault. Smile on her face. She does what she wants to. She's inflicted on me And she don't care what color bruises That she's leaving on me But she got freedom in the 21st century Ashes in her hands is all she thinks about. No responsibility, no guilt, or morals, cloud of judgment. Smile on her face, she does what she damn well please. And she don't care the kind of things people used to do. And she don't care if what she does has an effect on you. Cause she got freedom in the 21st century. minutes ago Lily said sometimes you just got to give things time this is a song about kind of putting everything nasty that you feel out there so you can get to the point of it's all good right yeah this is what my ex-husband changed his ringtone to for me uh after I left him (laughs) (laughs) by a gentleman named uh John Darnielle aka the mountain goats yeah this is Boy, this is a this is a heartbreaker. So yeah. just remember, we gotta expunge the bad to get to the good. <laughs> I hope that our few remaining friends give up on trying to save us. I hope we come up with a fail-safe plot to piss off the dumb few that forgave us. And I hope the fences we mended fall down beneath their own weight and I hope we hang on past the last exit I hope it's already too late and I hope the junkyard a few blocks from here someday burns down and I hope the rear-rising black tide of smoke carries me far away and I never have come back to this town again again. yes in my life I hope I lie it was specifically this part and And tell tell everyone everyone you were a good good wife wife, and I I hope hope you die I think I'm going to get a phone call. Oh, no. <laughs> I hope I cut myself shaving tomorrow. I hope it bleeds all day long. 
Our friends say it's darkest before the sun rises. We're pretty sure they're all wrong. I hope it stays dark forever. And I hope the worst isn't over. And I hope you blink before I do. And I hope I never get sober. And I hope when you think of me years down the line, you can't find one good thing to say. And I can't. And I hope that if I find the strength to walk out, you stay the hell out of my way. I am drowning. There is no sign of land. You are coming down with me. Hand in a lovable hand. And I hope you die. I hope we both die. No Children by the Mountain Goats. <laughs> what a barn burner. What, what the fuck? What the fuck would your ex-husband friends say when the phone started ringing and that was playing? That's not a cool ringtone at all. Anyway, welcome back to part two. Lily, Jenny, you want to come back up? Y'all look good. Y'all look really, really good. You. So, see, you can't put any ring right? <laughs> yeah. If you got any people you don't want to be calling yeah. you. <laughs> we don't even do that no more. We all got the same ringtone, everybody. So we're all looking at our phone at the same damn time. That day. <laughs> yeah, do you remember you could download like apps to make you custom ringtones? Yeah. I definitely did that. Yeah, no, they don't do that anymore. I'm serious. All of us got the same damn ringtone. I'm in a fucking Walmart or whatever, and it's like... What is the damn... I, I don't even know it because it's everybody... There you go. There's your, there's your and I'm just like, is that me? Is that you? Who's answering the phone? Um, you're smart. Put it on vibrate. Uh, yeah, so we had the second, second part of this show now where I feel like we're down to one last storyteller on our side. So we gotta get one from your side. Yeah. <laughs> Who, oh, we gotta, we gotta vote. Wendy Watson, everybody. Wendy. 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 All right. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm drunk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, weirdly oh, appropriate. No, I'm, I'm Fresca. I'm drunk. <laughs> All right. I figure between the mountain goats and the problem house. <laughs> Thematically, it was time for me to begin. (laughs) Oh, when I think about one of the last times I was in Arkansas, my home state, I think about waking up with my sticky hands touching the pleather steering wheel, the garbage bag covering the back broken window is flapping, and I've woken up because of the tire screech of the car going to the side, which is is meant to wake you up, those bumps on the street like that, because it's easier to drive when you're awake. (laughs) My name's Whitney, and I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) We doing okay? (laughs) I swear I'm fine now. (laughs) I am sober now. Remarkably, I am two years, ten months sober now. Yes, thank you. I used to wake up driving all the time, um, which is not the best way to drive a car. Uh, I used to wake up in all kinds of scenarios. Sometimes I was at bars carrying on the center of attention. Other times I woke up in other people's showers, people that I hadn't met before. I used to wake up and, and be in the middle of a story instead of, you know, 
participating in it. <laughs> I, uh, I knew that I had a drinking problem when I was at a bar one time and somebody was telling like a rowdy bar story. You know, the kind where they're telling like how it starts at one place and there's another bar and then we did this and then we did this. And usually around that time, the person telling the story and me would realize at the same time that I was the protagonist of that story. <laughs> so, it's time to quit. It's time to quit. <laughs> but uh, as, as a sober comedian, um, I get to talk about the mess all the time. Uh, I get to talk about, like, the reasons why I quit and all the crazy stuff that happened. And because I'm a comedian, I usually do, like, spin it in a funny way. Like, I come up with some, like, quip. But, uh... I don't usually talk about, like, drunk driving or, like, sleeping with other people's wives or all of the, you know, more complicated things that happen when you're an alcoholic. Um, but because I'm sober, I have, like, a whole new terminology. You know, now I can say that I was uh, active in my alcoholism when that happened. And, you know, now I'm, I'm clean and serene and, and all those good things. Um, usually when people find out that I'm sober, they wait, like, a polite 30 seconds and they try to decide if... If I think it's good, <laughs> they try to decide if they think it's good. And then they usually say something that would be like on a Pinterest mood board, you know, like, you go, girl, namaste, live your truth. <laughs> and then they wait to see how that went, and they usually say, but what happened? Why did you actually quit? Do you get that? Every time, and it's just like... Because I'm an alcoholic and a people pleaser, I feel like I need, like, a cool, quippy thing to tell them. But I think the next time somebody asks, I'm going to be like, well, stranger, I'm so glad you asked me at work. Um, <laughs> how can I put this in a way that you would relate to? Uh, you know, when you're out with your friends and you're drinking and you keep drinking and you keep drinking and you keep drinking and you keep drinking and you start to black out and then you really black out and you wake up and you realize that you've stolen a baby? <gasps> I'm just going to stare at them like that. <laughs> so they walk away and try and figure out if my story is true or not. But really, you know, like Lily said, it's none of their business why I quit drinking. You know, it was it was dark, bad stuff. I didn't want to wake up driving anymore, you know. Like, sobriety is pretty good, though. Like, I do things now that, that I never used to do. As a drinking person, I have a job. <laughs> New. Um, I'm in a committed relationship, which is nice. I don't throw up at the zoo. You know, I'm really trying to get my shit together, guys. Really trying. Um, I did a lot of, like, embarrassing things when I was drinking. Like, you know, I, I alluded to some of them. The driving while blacked out, the, the other people's wives and whatnot. But I think one of the most embarrassing things I did was one time I hooked up with a grown man. Well, I know a man. That's surprising. <laughs> I hooked up with a grown man who had every single book in the Animorphs series. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I knew that he had them because my head kept bumping up against the book. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I've slept with several people who have gotten DUIs on scooters. Um, I know. It's possible. It's possible to do. I have a lot of drunk stories that are, like, fun, but when I try and think about one that's, like, what, what really embodies my home state of Arkansas, where, by the way, there was a news story about my hometown that started like this, city officials say we don't know what that smell is. <laughs> that's where I'm from. Is it any wonder that I had a serious drinking problem? Like, my hobbies when I was a younger person was just, like, Keystone Ice. I mean, there was really nothing to do. I'm from a dusty manufacturing place. Like... 
It was recently ranked one of the 11 most miserable cities in the country. <laughs> it's like, we're number one in that in teen pregnancy. That's about it. It's <laughs> not good. The other thing I'm proud about my hometown, uh, if you've seen me before, I usually mention this because it's, it's true and I think it just explains everything. Uh, the town motto of my hometown is life's worth living in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Yeah, have you ever heard a more overt plea not to kill yourself? <laughs> like the fact that I'm here in this nice theater with these amazing storytellers and not yelling at my five barefoot children in a Walmart parking lot is kind of a testament to my success. As a Chicago comedian, I'm doing all right now, sober. I make 30s of dollars doing this. So it's, it's really going great. <laughs> One more thing about my hometown. My dad recently started a a phone conversation like this. He said, great news, honey. The possum's pregnant. <laughs> That's the right response. <laughs> because he didn't say, like, I saw a possum and it looked pregnant. Or, like, the artisanal possum that we rescued from the co-op animal rescue is pregnant. He said, honey, great news. The possum's pregnant. She's eating for nine. <laughs> he said it with the confidence that he might be the father. <laughs> We don't know. <laughs> Another thing, though, is, like, whenever I'm, whenever I'm yelling about stories and stuff, like, people always stop me and, like, after the show, and they're like, you say that you're, like, a southern person, but it, I don't hear your accent, you know? They say, like, you lost your accent. Has anybody gotten that before? It's so demeaning. Like, I don't lose my accent. I know where my accent is metaphorically. <laughs> like, it's under my parents' cedar marital bed in a little metaphorical box with an Earnhardt sticker on it. You know? <laughs> is there with the knowledge that my mom went to the Indy 500 when she was real pregnant with me? <laughs> Did she wear shoes? It's there with, with the knowledge that when the city was going to fine my parents for having too many rusted cars in their yard, that my mom wanted to stick it to the man by having me paint a rusted car onto the propane tank in our yard. <laughs> it's there with the knowledge that up until way too recently, the rival cheerleading team for my high school was called the Confederates. I'm glad y'all gassed at that, because in the suburbs when they cheer for that joke, I'm not sure if I want them as my audience <laughs> Anyway, I miss the South, and I do have one... Fun, quick story. I want to tell about it. This was probably at the height of my drinking days. I was having a great time. I was doing what all young college-aged people do. I was partying in a double-wide trailer in Rock Island, Oklahoma. <laughs> One day I'm going to get a Rock Island person. They're going to be like, I remember your crazy ass. But... So I was at this double-wide. It was owned by twin brothers. Of course it was. <laughs> And the crazier twin brother was kind of evil. He looked like my friend, but he had kind of spiky eyebrows. Kind of a dangerous-looking dude. He did what you never want to see mid-party. He got up, and he's like, all right, guys, head it out. See you later. Blind drunk. He was like, I'm not an act-out comic, but he's like one of those guys at, like, the car lots, the balloon guys that are like this. Like, he was that drunk at about 8 p.m. So he's like, all right, guys, head it out. See you. Goes to get his keys. Starts to walk away. And I was like, I feel uncomfortable. My friend said an extremely southern thing. He was like, wait, just watch this shit. <laughs> so this guy takes the two steps out of the double wide. Again, it was nice. <laughs> and what's parked waiting for him? A giant red Ford truck. Did it have truck nuts? It probably did. I didn't check. <laughs> this guy waves to us, gets into the car, puts the keys in the ignition, guns it so hard in reverse that he makes this perfect U-shape into the parking spot of the double wide next door. Oh, boy. Now, y'all are a smart audience. JJ got it immediately. <laughs> but this guy knew the exact 
redneck airspeed velocity <laughs> to get his car from one spot to the next. The other extremely southern thing about that is that dude drove 15 feet to his friend's house. <laughs> I, can take up, I can take up your time all day, but uh, I just want to end my set by saying uh, if you get sober, it actually makes you a better artist. You can remember your jokes. You can remember who you're with. You can remember the stories you heard. So thanks, you guys. That's my time. I just want to shout out again for the second half of the podcast. It's it's great to work for sober inclusive spaces in performing. Let's not have another Shakespeare kind of thing. Uh, at our shows, I always feel like it's fine if you want to drink, but like that shouldn't ever be an expectation. Why didn't you tell me this before I said I was drunk? Then <laughs> I tried to set it up in the intro. <laughs> now shade on you, Lily. You said you're drunk on Fresca. You're I'm only fresca. human, right? I'm Fresca. Fresca is life, y'all. <laughs> I don't know. 1966. They need to already give me this. <laughs> I um, can't. I can't get over the anamorph. I know. <laughs> Were they in like numbered order? Yes. Like is that? Um, <laughs> we have a full set in the office next door, by the way. <laughs> They're not mine, but I definitely relate to that kind of person. <laughs> is that dude? Is that dude <laughs> here now? <laughs> Oh, that made me quit. Off GP, off general principle, I'd have been like, done. Done. That's this it. That's the end of that. Nope. Oh, my gosh. I do feel like I need to shout out that Animorphs uh, were kind of a subset of Beast Wars Transformers due to an action figure line that was released. You under would. The- <laughs> I would. So there were Animorphs action figures that were released under the Beast Wars line, so they're, like, kind of related. Anyway, I'm good here, guys. Lily, you got <laughs> You need to let us know this. I, I don't know this, and I just know that, like... No one needs to. I don't know Beast Wars. I know. I feel like I have a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can talk to you after the show if you really want to know. He can't. He can't. Totally. Next taco date. We gotta, that's all we're going to talk about. Alright, so we have two more? Yeah, we got a Javier and a JJ. Alright, Javier and JJ. Y'all want to like rock, paper, scissors in this? You want to do, do um. I'm yeah. right here. Oh. Hobo knife fight. What y'all want to handle this? Anyway, handle this. Too bad. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, you want to go? Yeah. Cool, let's rock, paper, scissors in this. Alright. Javier and Bond here. Javier, you got to. Okay, ah. You really want to, I feel like you're just like inciting conflict, man. It's the stove. It's the stove. You want to soak? Who's about to slap my hand? Who's about to slap my hand right now? Jesus. Everyone, put your hands together for Javier. What's up, y'all? Oh, this is great because uh, I can't see y'all because the, like, the lights are glaring on my glasses. Uh, I did this story like a year and a half ago, two years ago. But um, I don't know. I so I uh, I'm a student of Lily's. I used to host her workshops in my space for for like a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been fun. It's been a good time. All uh, right. So it's a uh, summer 2015, and I'm in Mexico, and uh, I'm like super anxious. I'm sitting in this like broken chair you know those lawn chairs when they break on one of the legs and you're kind of like balancing like you want to like break it more but you don't want to bust your shit like i'm one of those so i'm kind of just like toying with this like chair um and i'm really nervous and also really excited to be in mexico because it's been a while since i've been there and uh the thing that was different was i had started taking like spanish classes right 
And growing up, I was like really insecure because I didn't speak Spanish very well. And I'm Mexican from here. So I'm like whitewash as fuck. And like to my Mexican family, I was just like another white dude. Like, you know, <laughs> so I was always like super insecure. And like, I don't know, it, it, there's like a lot of emotions. But now like, you know, a few Spanish classes in, I'm just like, I got the confidence, right? Like now I can communicate with like my family. And I'm just like, bet. Time to flex like this Latin American studies minor from Columbia. <laughs> so I'm sitting around and like, I'm not really talking because it's like my first day, right? So I'm just kind of like, let me observe, right? Um, and then one of my cousins comes up to me and he's just like, hey, do you, uh, quieres ir a casar con nosotros? Like, he was just like, do you want to go deer hunting with us? And I was just like, I didn't even fucking hesitate. I was just like, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, let's do it. Uh, and then I started kind of having like a moral dilemma because I was an avid vegan at that point. Oh my God. And I'm just like, but again, like, it's like, I felt like this was my time to like prove my Mexicanness, right? Like, and like, not only did I want to learn Spanish and speak Spanish, like, I wanted to be chingon, you know? Like, I wanted to, I wanted the boots and like the belt and like the hat and shit. So, like, for me, I was just like, damn, like, there's nothing more paisa in Mexican than fucking hunting. So, cool right later that day it's like 9 p.m now it's dark you know everyone's drunk that's been drinking and i still kind of feel weird about drinking so i'm pretty sober and my cousin comes up to me again and he's just like hey you're ready to go we're 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 good to go and i'm like it's 9 p.m right it's dark and i'm like i'm kind of like i've never been hunting before so i'm just like i imagine like elmer fudd and like musket (laughs) hiding in bushes right broad daylight so, you know, I was like, yeah, sure. I, I think I put on, like, a, you know, old-ass jacket that I brought with me. And then we ended up, like, walking around the house. And then we walked past, like, like a Jeep whatever, a Chevy whatever, like, four by four, like, you know, out in the wilderness cars, right? And, you know, and then we walk across, and we turn the corner of the house. And then there's, like, this tarp. And then my cousin just walks up to it, and then he just, like, and I shit you not, this looks like a Mad Max prop. Like, it's just, like, a frame, four wheels, and, like, an engine. And it's a buggy. It's not even, like, a full-size car. And then we're all... I'm standing, like, confused as fuck. And then I also realize that there's five of us, and this thing seats two. And, And I almost feel like... I feel like my cousin just asked me out of pity because, you know, I'm visiting. And he's just like, this douchebag is like vegan or whatever he's not gonna want to go hunting but he didn't realize how determined i was to prove my mexicanness so we kind of figure it out right uh me being the smallest dude there was like a utility cubby in the back so i kind of just like you know uh, and then it was even more ridiculous because like the two the two guys sat in the front my two cousins and then their friends they sat on the top and they just strapped them down with a rope like yo it looked like it looked like we were playing halo or grand theft auto you know when you're like standing on the car and like we just took off like this and again i've never been hunting so to me i'm like hunting it's like dark as hell and where i'm where we're from in mexico it's like desolate there's no lights or anything moonlight right and we drive out like 45 minutes like from our little town to the next but we don't get to that town before we do we just veer off into the wilderness and it's just like and it's like a really small buggy so it's loud as fuck there's nothing around us it's kind of like flat dry desert is kind of but it's there's a lot of shrubs and shit so we drive out for like 45 minutes another 45 minutes and then we park on this hill 
And then I realized that everyone has a handgun except me. <laughs> and I'm kind of just like, okay. And then again, I'm okay with that because I wouldn't know what to do with it if I had the gun. And then they had me a flashlight. And, and it's not even a flat. It's like a fucking Volkswagen Beetle headlight with like a handle. <laughs> and I've never been hunting. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. This is some Mexican shit. I'm learning today. <laughs> So we get out, and um, and mind you, during that time, I didn't have glasses, so I couldn't see past 20 feet. And I'm like, why am I hunting? Like, <laughs> um, they they kind of take off, and but before they do, my cousin turns to me, and he's like, mind the car. The car's still on, so it's making hella fucking noise. And my cousin is just like, mind the car. Oh, cuidado con los jabalinas. Like, wild boars, right? And apparently it's like mating season, so they're aggressive as fuck. They travel in packs. And they just start running off into the distance. I'm left alone with this fucking loud-ass buggy and a flashlight. And now I got to worry about, like, horny Timon and Pumbaa. <laughs> so they take off. I'm just like, cool. I get, like, around the buggy with, like, the flashlight like this. But then I'm like, javalinas, right? So I get back in my cubby. And I'm just, like, on the top, right? And, and then I start, like, 20 minutes later, I start seeing, like, flashes of light in the distance. Like, we're on a hill, right? So I can kind of see darkness but i see flashes of light and then i'm like what the fuck is happening like and then it kind of looks like a bunch of like randos are out in the field like playing with lightsaber like flashlights and shit because i kind of see them like on and off on and off and then it, it after a while it, it it clicks like deer in headlights you know they got led things and they're shining the light into the deer and then they're like tensing up right and then i realize that the light gets closer and closer to each other and then i hear a gunshot and then another gunshot a few minutes later, they come up, and they have, like, the deer. And then uh, we're standing around this buggy. I'm freaking out still. I'm not, again, I'm insecure about my Spanish. I'm not asking questions. I'm just, like, experiencing this, like, I am not drunk enough for this shit. And then we kind of have the realization we did when we first left. Now there's five of us plus the body. And then we got to figure out, you know, we ended up just strapping the body on the top between the two guys. We take off back to the wilderness, back to the road. I'm confused. I'm terrified. Like, I'm, like, gra- like gripping my flashlight, like, super tight, like, you know. And then uh, once we, right before we get to the road, my cousin turns back again. Again, like, I've never been hunting. I don't know any of this. I don't even know if this is hunting. I've never verified with anybody if this is, if this is how Mexicans hunt out in Mexico. But before we get to the fucking street, he turns to me and he's like, hey, just so you know, if you see headlights... We're going to dump the body, and, and we're just going to run. Leave the car. What? <laughs> um, I was like, okay, why? Like, And I think I asked in English, why? And then he was just like, apparently, in the state of Zacatecas, hunting off-season without a permit is like equates to murder. They take their game very fucking seriously. So I'm just like... Okay, now I'm even more terrified, like, holding my little fucking flashlight. Everyone's got a handgun. We, we make it back fine and safely, right? No headlights. But then I, like, go back to my aunt's house. It's late, right? Everyone, they start drinking and, like, skinning it or whatever. And then I go back to my dusty-ass little chair. And then I realized two things that night. One, holy fuck, I've been an accomplice to murder. <laughs> And then two, I'm okay not feeling Mexican enough. 
Yeah, I'll take it. I know this shit. I'm Mexican. Uh, <laughs> you tell me, guys, what y'all think. I'm just picturing you, like, if headlights were to come, like, having to climb out of the utility cubby, that, like, I feel like that'd be hard to get away. <laughs> I don't know. You're I right. felt safe. Just <laughs> 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 for me, the fact that it's, like, a 90-minute drive to a place you've never been and couldn't navigate back to, like, oh, man, I, I would have felt so trapped. I if I would have ran out with them, I would have gotten lost. <laughs> like, I would have not have been able to get back. You had a big ass flashlight though. You good, right? I never turned it on the whole time. I don't know what to do with it. I don't want to disrupt the hunting, you know? (laughs) They made you feel included by giving you a flashlight. Yeah, it was definitely like a participation. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been hunting. Have you been hunting? Yeah. But that sounds like now I feel like I know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry that happened to you. I apologize for Mexicans. <laughs> that was fucked up. But they were definitely laughing at you as they were oh, hunting. Yeah, yeah. They were like, we left them with a flashlight. <laughs> uh, all right, we got one last teller. Yeah. And then uh, and then we're going to bring up um, the whole... Because so at the stoop, before we bring the last teller up, uh, so at the stoop, we do this... Um, uh, we do this at the stoop to help raise money for someone, right? A, a, or an organization or a person. I think I think the last year or so, uh, we have kind of moved even away from helping organizations more than we have just started helping individual people. Uh, because organizations got ways to help organizations, right? They can write grants, and in the and the way the administration is working right now, um, we need to be there for each other, I feel. And so we, we started doing this thing where it's just like, if you want these people, uh, I think this year we helped Sean, who needed uh, <coughs> cancer, uh, his, his cancer next month. Uh, we're going to be helping Elvia, who's losing her house because her MPO shut down. Um, and this month, uh, we, we have a guest that, um, and I think I'm just going to, before we invite JJ uh, to close, I think I'm going to invite Crystal up sure. to just share, because while, uh, JJ Sharon, I'm gonna walk around with like a little picture or a little box. This little box. I used to have a picture at the stoop. We're gonna do a little box at Cards Against Humanity. Cards. This is what Shithole takes donations, and if you guys give to Shithole, you can you can give to this. Yeah, well. I always say you jag a no, dollar. You jag a dollar every day, right? Yeah. You jag a dollar a day. Easy. Everybody's wasted a dollar some way, somehow. Uh, doing, I don't know, if you buy paper, you know, paper bags or plastic bags, you, you jacked a dollar already this month, right? All that avocado toast the kids are eating, that's like eight dollars. Right, jacked it off, just jacked it off. Um, if you lost an umbrella in all this rain, that's fifteen dollars, you probably, who's paying fifteen dollars, first of all? Sunglasses, I've already lost three pairs. And we only had two days of sun. How do I lose three pairs? But I've jacked forty-five dollars I'm sure in sunglasses and I feel like um, I would much have rather had all those jag dollars go to someone uh, like the Dino family who we're helping today and I want Crystal to get up here and just kind of share a little bit of what's going on and why we're helping uh, Chris real quick the story behind that is I know Chris from high school 
a friend, uh, hit a friend of a mutual friend took. I taught a workshop where our a mutual friend was like, "Here," sent me a message. Was like, "Here, can you donate to my friends? Go fund me." I was like, "What? I know this person. We went to high school together. How did I not see this on my Facebook thread and then algorithms, right?" Mm-hmm. So. I didn't see it, but it was it kind of hit me hard, and so I figured, well, let's do that for this stoop, right? Let's 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 make that the the cause for this stoop, and so and we'll also post the the, the link for the GoFundMe. So if you want to give to the GoFundMe, and then also if you can please share it. If you don't have to give today, we ask that you at least share it. It's at sixty eight hundred. They're looking for seventy five. Um, and then I'll have Crystal get up here and just share a little bit about why, uh, uh, what that's going to uh, and towards. And uh, so everyone put your hands together for Crystal Dino. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Um, thank you, first and foremost, to Lily B and Clarissa for having this opportunity to raise some funds for my brother. Um, again, my name's Crystal. My older brother is Chris. We're nine years apart. And, shoot, where do I begin? Um, we're nine years apart, but we're like two peas in a pod. Anything he's done, I have done, not knowing that he's done. It's just in the stars. And, um, My brother got a stroke on May 2nd, Thursday morning, called me up, and um, I was on my way to internship. I was classic crystal, I was running late, and I was trying to get to internship. I said, okay, I got to do a presentation. I'm about to graduate in two weeks with my master's in art therapy and counseling. Let me make sure that I, I cross things off, and I get a phone call from my brother, and something in his voice was like serious, and I was like, He normally doesn't call me during this time. So I'm like, okay, snap, let me let me cancel my, my internship. Let me go straight to the crib. Um, yeah, I got there and I was just like, what's going on? My brother looked like he was dizzy. He was on the floor in the bathroom. Um, not knowing how he buzzed me in, he was just chilling on the floor. And he's like, anytime I move, I'm going to, I'm really dizzy. I'm and I was like, okay, we need to go to the hospital. And I was like, we ain't calling the ambulance because we three blocks away, and that's going to be a lot of money. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, we, we got this. The car is right in front. And I was like, okay, we've been training. He's Filipino martial artist. I'm Filipino martial artist. I was like, I've been training. I could carry my brother. Boy, I was trying to carry my brother. I was like, 200 pounds. I don't think I could do this. And so, like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, let me channel in all the gods and goddesses that Christina and Meredith Grey channeled on Grey's Anatomy. Let me do this. I got this. I've been watching it for eight years. I got some notes that I know I could, like, I could, you know, use. And I'm like, I can't carry 200 pounds. <laughs> Kuya meaning brother in Tagalog. I was like, we need to take breaks in between. We get to the car and whatnot. I hit up to my my cousin and my uncle friend, and I was just, and they're big. I text them. I was like, please, I need your help. Got to get Goya to the car to go to the Amber, to the ER. They're like, well, we, we won't be there for another 25 minutes or so. 
check in with my brother and he was just like we could do this and I was like yeah we can um and I'm looking he's dizzy and I was I have a friend who has vertigo I was like oh yeah you got vertigo I got it I think so and so he's like yeah probably and we're just like going back and forth taking easy you know breaks in between and there's just a point I got a text from my sister outlaw who I I interned with too at Freewrite um and I told her everything that was happening. She's like, y'all need to just call the ambulance. And we're just like, just give it a couple of minutes. <laughs> we ain't about to pay another thousand just for three blocks, right? And so um, finally kind of crawled and, and carried him towards the bed. And we're just like, let's chill for a second and check in. And at that point, it was just like, I can't take another minute or so to be waiting. I don't know what's going on. So... We called the ambulance, and that just happens to be where our cousin, uncle, friend came through, and our, my sister, outlaw Matilda, came through, and we rushed to the ER with the ambulance, and we got there, and I'm just like, kind of like, okay, we did the right thing, you know, whatever, this is, is vertigo. Doctors look at his eyes, and his eyes are pendulum back and forth, and he's like, that's not vertigo. Like, vertigo, you have a, your eyes pendulum towards just one side side so then they're like it's a serious case it might be meningitis so they were doing all bunch tests and um family came a sister-in-law uh jay uh, my mom came and then it was just like i don't know what's going on tests throughout the night and it was the last thing that they did they were like can't be meningitis and then like my brother was like you know i was on the roller coaster with my what he has he's a father of four um and he, he, you know, he got the cool dad points. He went on a roller coaster with his daughters, and he was like, maybe I didn't want to say anything, but I think I did something wrong. And I was just like, damn. So I was trying to be a cool dad, you know. <laughs> he was just like, he told the doctors, like, that. that's probably what happened. And so they didn't wait till that Saturday. We were, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Thursday we were at the hospital or ER. Friday. Saturday, 2 a.m., they're like, they finally did an MRI, and they're like, no, he's having a stroke. Uh, 42. Um, no one ever thought that that was what it was because of his age. Um, and so it was just like during that time of like trying to figure out what was happening. And everyone in my family is also, it just felt like this past month and a half has been... It's just, life is interesting. It's like, this whole time is like about holding complexities, like joy and sorrow and grief and joy and pain. And it was just, and celebration, you know, because a lot of good things were too were happening at that time. My family is waiting on me to, you know, graduate with a master's to go on and continue with the family. Um. And so, yeah, it's been a whirlwind. Um, but what's good, right, is it's wild. Like I said, it's com complex, right? We have this wild, life-changing event that happened to our family, but it's also brought us so damn close, brought so many stories, so much family planning, 
um, and uh, you know, my brother and I were talking. He's like, he he thought about right before the stroke happened. He was thinking about transitions in life and going through a ceremony of like fire and ceremony of water and replenishing and washing and cleansing. And before that, I was like, I prayed for like. You know, I'm in art therapy and counseling, and I just want to do a lot of, like, family patterns, talk about our family to do, you know, work through patterns and our family system and, and making sense of things to just, you know, do better for, do right for the rest, you know, in the future. And all this happened. I'm talking to my brother. I'm like, damn, we should have been really specific with our prayers. <laughs> we asked to better our family, but this was heavy. <laughs> and and it's wild because even before that, like there, my meditations in the morning was always like, pain is a pathway. If something just kept coming, pain is a pathway. And I'm just like, what is, you know. And it's just, it's again, it's just like holding the complexities of all that's happening. And then I graduated, and it was like graduating with, you know, my family and my ancestors. I do them proud to do it for the culture. And I'm like, man, my brother's in the hospital and he can't attend. You know, it's like, um, but yeah, it's, um, I, I, you know, before coming out, I was like, what am I going to talk about? Like, am I, I you know, I, I've never experienced Lily B's stoops. I've heard of them. Do I tell a story? Do I tell it raw? Um, but, yeah, it's, 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 it's something that family never saw. My parents, for sure, they're both, you know, gratefully they're alive and the talks that my brother and I have are like, man, they saw their child go through something really life, you know, life or death before them. So that's something that we're like, we've been talking about. Um, and like, yeah, man, man, my brother is like very important to me. I mean, I too went to Lane Tech and we're nine years apart, but again like all the seeds he's planted and a lot of it is community oriented he he's been a youth organizer youth de uh, development specialist um after school programming he's a filipino martial artist holding classes consistently and just so happens and not like planningly like i'm also doing something similar if it weren't for him who left the house at 18 and i was nine I wouldn't have come across his tapes on Diggable Planets, Arrested Development, um, Tribe Called Quest, he, that opened my eyes to hip-hop, which then I was like, I'm going to be a B-girl. <laughs> Let me break who he introduced me to, right? And so different things into like how to use hip-hop and spirituality together to bring community together. Okay, let's go in deep, even deeper to our culture, like Filipino roots. What does it mean to heal in our Filipino cultural roots through Filipino martial arts? And even though we're nine years apart, it's like that's where we connect and that's where we meet. And I think, I don't know, this struck was just like, damn, this shit is heavy, but it's getting us so close. It's making our parents like really spending time to think about how we got here, how they came here from the Philippines, what are our conditions, what's next, what's what's now um, 
And I keep thinking about pain as a pathway. So what is it to go through pain to really get through the good good? It's all good. And I think I want to add it's all for the greater good of some sort. Um, but yeah, it's still, at this point from May 2nd till now, it's still, it's still churning. It's still, something's happening. And he's progressing quite well. He's been diligent with his PT every week. Um, last week we went to the social security office and um, they won't grant him disability so he's trying to figure out what way to make money now. <laughs> um, how to pay the rest of the bills that are about to come through. Um, but my brother too is really strong. Like after a month he started teaching backups, teaching his where I was just like, well, you maybe take another couple weeks because I'm a little, but it's allowed him to see his own limitations and also like just kind of also myself stepping back, the rest of the family stepping back to give him his authority, his agency of trying to figure things out too. So it's kind of just a meeting place for everyone to like figure out where to chip and where not, where where can you really hold yourself, teach, reparent yourself, um, and also being and really leaning into community of folks who really came through. Like, shoot, my art therapy friends are like, I don't know, you're going through this shit, and we just graduated. Are you okay? Like, it's just checking in with folks. Like, it's amazing how folks are just like, yo, you gonna be good. I got you on food. I got you, you know, on support, whatever. And it's like. Friends, I know. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to talk for my brother, but he has had great stories and connecting with folks he's had been friends with for quite some time who have survived many hardships in their life, and it's, he's. It seems like he's uh, going through that water ceremony that he thought about before the stroke, and just really thinking about this pain as a path. or commented earlier, right, when we shared this event. And if you go to the event on Facebook, the link to the GoFundMe is on there so you can donate because uh, they're really close to meeting their goal. But he says, thank you so much, Olivia, for doing this. I'm humbled by this. And everyone's act of generosity. I've been able to do some of the things I love, like being with my family and teaching my martial arts class, but it's a struggle adjusting to limitations. This is this is this has been a topic with people I've talked to the last couple weeks. Thanks again, and look forward to being more active. I'll extend my heart to you with with a small quote: "You are the same today as you'll be in five years, except for two things: the books you read and the people you meet." And I'll and we'll also add the action and the sacrifices you make. definitely knew him in the scene as like you know hip hop it was like that's how we that's how we knew each other in lane was through the hip hop scene thank you so much for coming and sharing thank Crystal um, give it up for Crystal thank you so much oh thank you thank you thank you so yeah look for the link uh, I'm gonna walk around so when we we're gonna introduce JJ uh, 
pronounce this last name. Ron Va. Ron Va. Because I don't want to do like J, like DP over here. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I was gonna say Ranvier, and then it'd be like, oh damn it. <laughs> um, and I walk around. If you have something to give today, that'd be great. Uh, if not, like I said, uh, do us the solid and just go into the event. And share the link. I'm sure we'll share the link again and again um, because they're so close to go. And if we can't stand, like, it's it's all of us or none of us at the end of the day. It's it's, it's one for all, all for one, one for all, right? Um, it should be that way because otherwise, I mean, what? What are we, just savages, a bunch of fucking savages? I refuse. I refuse us to be that way. I refuse it. And I, I don't. So... Um, so without further ado, let's close the show out. Yeah, I'll come back to do more music. Yeah, we got one more after this. Awesome. All right. So while so the storytelling portion closes out with JJ, who has a dope ass podcast, <laughs> which I'm hoping I get to be a guest of. <laughs> 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 no, <laughs> I hope so. Even if it's just like. And now, <laughs> look, even if I get a look in there, I'll be happy with that. All right. So everyone, uh, get out your money because I'll give you a side eye. <laughs> oh, I got a mean ass side eye. Um, and then if you can, just share the link. Um, share it and just be like, we went to this great storytelling show and uh, and we need to support each other. So share it with your friends, family. And, uh, and I'll share it, we'll share it, uh, the show will share it, and we get this bucket. Yeah. All right, and put your hands together for JJ. Oh man, I am about to totally change the tone. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, yeah, we've had a lot of really great stories, so I'm really glad to uh, end this on a <laughs> hopefully high note. Uh, so back in April, uh, I went back to Berlin for the first time in a couple of years, and I told everyone it was like, oh, I'm going for the culture and the, the sites and everything, but I'm going to be honest with you. I went because I wanted to go to a sex club. <laughs> and not just any fucking sex club, pun intended. Uh, I wanted to go to a famous sex club. So there's a really famous sex club in Berlin called the Kit Kat Club. And I think the name comes from Cabaret. I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, so I, I went all the way. Well, I went to Prague and then I went all the way to Berlin to go to a sex club. And I was really nervous because I was going by myself. I do a lot of just doing shit on my own because no one else would come with me. I'll fucking go. So yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but yeah, so I show up really nervous, but I'm like, you know what? I am well-dressed. By well-dressed, I mean I was wearing no T-shirt or anything. I was wearing this uh, harness bra thing that is not acceptable for work, obviously. Uh, I, I have debated wearing it. Uh, uh, this mini pleather skirt and these th- like thigh-high boots. And I'm like, God, I hope I'm kinky enough to get in this club. <laughs> and I, I get in line and... Uh, this guy in front of me turns around and he goes, hi, is it your first time here? And I'm like, well, at least I've already made a friend. <laughs> and he, his name is Jeff and he's from America. And I'm like, wow, I came all the way to Berlin to a sex club to meet an American named Jeff. <laughs> great. I'm doing great. But he was really nice. And I was like really nervous. 
And he offered to show me around. Of course, he offered to show me around as he's taking his pants off and pulling on his little shorts with his cock sock thing. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I just saw you adjust your dick. What? Show me around. Show me around the sex club. But he does. And, like, the first person I meet is, like, really nice. And I'm like, this is cool. And he, like, shows me the pool. And he goes, it's too cold for anyone to go in. But I'm like, all right, cool. And he's like, oh, this is a bar. I've seen a lot of people fuck on it. I'm like, that's expected. Um, go out to the dance floor the dance floor and then he goes this is the corner where a lot of people fucking i'm like great all my expectations are being met right now and so i'm like i don't know anyone else here it's it, the place opens at 11 and there's like almost no one there yet and so i end up talking to jeff and then we make friends with a canadian named sonary and they had decided she wasn't kinky enough and made her take her dress off so she's standing around pussy out and this little like harness thing that she got from Amazon so she's not sitting on anything she's refusing to sit on any of the furniture and then we also make friends with a um the most cliche cliche German man named Christian and he's like lounging at the bar wearing what I presume are very expensive leather pants and no shirt and I'm like this is my expectations being met again and I'm like wow I've only been here an hour, I've only had one drink, and I've already made, like, a bunch of friends. This is really cool. So, of course, it gets really weird. Because it's a sex club in Berlin. And at one point, uh, uh, not Jeff, uh, Christian says, oh, come with me to the bathroom. And I'm like, this is a thing girls do. This is not a thing that I go do with a man. So I'm like, what's up? Uh, turns out the bathrooms at Kit Kat Club are gender neutral. It's just like... One long line of sinks, and there's uh, they're only separated by uh, single-stall bathrooms and fuck bathrooms. I mean, two-person bathrooms. <laughs> so Christian takes me to one of the, the two-person bathrooms, and I'm like, oh, okay. It's early in the night. I'm only on drink, too. I guess this is happening already. And he goes, I have to go get something. I'm like, I hope it's a fucking condom. Um, and I'm like, I guess go with the flow. When in Berlin? He comes back with a flyer. And I'm like, how do you think this is going to go down? And he puts it on the counter. I'm like, what is happening? And something out of, like, one of those type of movies. He pulls off his leather wrist cuff, opens it up. It has a secret pocket that he unzips and pulls out drugs. <laughs> and I'm like, it is too early in the Entourage movie for this to be happening. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And he goes, do you want some? And I'm like, this has been, you know, I, I went through the D.A.R.E. program. I know not to say yes, but I just go, what is it? And he goes, I don't know. It's something new from Amsterdam. <laughs> it doesn't even have a name. He's offering me nameless drugs. And I go, I'll pass. And he goes, okay. And he just snorts it. And I'm like, I've only been here an hour and there is a German man snorting drugs with me. Okay, when in Berlin. And so I, I go along with it and I'm like, okay, this is fun. This is weird. But I didn't come to a sex club to watch someone else snort drugs. I came to watch at least other people have sex, if not me. So I'm on a mission. I'm like trying to meet people and the thing I'm noticing as I'm going along, there's not a ton of people fucking. There are people fucking, of course. But there's not a ton of people fucking. But you, in this atmosphere, I'm noticing I can just go up to people and start talking to them. 
And I go up and I start talking to this really attractive woman. I find out she's from Romania. It's like, anyone here from Berlin? I don't know. Uh, but she's from Romania. And I start talking to her. And then her friend uh, AJ comes up and starts. Ta- I start talking to him about traveling. Everyone I talk to has traveled to the U.S. but has never been to Chicago. And I'm like, you should fix that. Um, but yeah, and I'm talking to them and I'm like, wow, I'm having this kind of realization that like in this space where a lot of these taboos have been removed, you know, the, some of the biggest taboos, sex, sexuality, desire, queerness, all these things. A lot of the other inhibitions we have with getting to know people have been also removed because I've never been able to as anywhere just go up to people as much as I did there. As I'm having this realization, behind my new friends is a ropes demonstration going on. And there's a guy tying up a German woman. And she's, like, being tied up like this. And then suspended over the pool, which I previously was told was too cold to go in, and dunked in it. So me and my new Romanian friends decide to stop having our conversation and watch that instead. I'm like, right, I'm at a sex club. (laughs) I'm not here to make friends. And I'm like, all right. All right. These people are very nice. I don't know what time it is because they took our cell phones. I'm on a mission now. I'm going to fuck someone, goddammit. Or I'm going to make out with someone attractive at least. So I'm like, all right. I go, I'm like, I need another drink. And then I go to the dance floor and I'm like, no one's approaching me. I go downstairs. There's another dance floor. And I'm like, and then of course an arts demonstration starts happening. And I'm like, no. And then I go to the, I go, it's like a performance art thing. It's these like two white women are like doing, I'm like, no. And then, so I go to the bar and then of course, uh, Jeff the American is at the bar and I'm like, hi Jeff. And I, I did not know someone could make pulling out a leather like paddle out of his leather holster unsexy. But Jeff going, want a spanking was not what I was there for. <laughs> American named Jeff. So I'm like, no, Jeff, later. <laughs> so I'm like, where do I fuck someone? Uh, so I go to, I'm like, I'm like, the bar that Jeff said a lot of people fuck at. And I'm like, okay, cool. And this bar is like, I wish we were allowed to take pictures because it was so cool. It had like all these crazy decorations. It looks like the place that like you open a secret door and then like this is the place where the witch lives. And I'm like, but it's a bar. And I go and sit at the bar and I'm like, okay. What now? And I turn, and there's a very attractive woman sitting next to me, and I'm like, yes. She's wearing a harness, titties out. I'm like, we're going to have a conversation. So, of course, we start having a lovely, friendly conversation. I'm like, fine. She's from New Zealand. We start talking about traveling, because apparently that's what I keep talking to people about. I'm like, all right. If this is how my night goes, this is how my night goes. I get to meet a bunch of people. And, of course, as soon as I have that thought, we end up going to join this table with two men at it two vastly different men one looks like he could uh dress up as uh ivan the terrible or the conqueror he's like bearded burly dude and i'm like (laughs) and then a guy who's dressed up like a straight up demon like face totally painted little horns and i'm like okay And I'm like, if I can't get the New Zealander, you'll do. And I found out that apparently asking people to go with you to the bathroom is kind of foreplay. Because he goes, do you want to go with me to the bathroom? And I'm like, I guess I'm going to watch someone else do drugs. Fine. But he goes to the bathroom 
I see him wash his hands and he, we start making out. I'm like, oh, finally, yay. And we go to the dance floor, floor and he starts fingering me. And I'm like, I know you just washed your hands. This is great. <laughs> and, and then he takes me to one of the little areas that Jeff says people fuck in. And I'm like, I'm doing this. But it's late. I don't know what time it is, but I know it's late. And I'm like, all right, I accomplished something. Someone touched me. My bra at least came off because it was a very cute, expensive bra. And someone better take my titties out of it, damn it. <laughs> and I feel accomplished. And But, of course, a little demon boy wants more. I don't even remember his name. Um, but I go, I'm sorry. It's late. I'm tired. I kind of want to go home. And he's like, Oh, but I, I was hoping you'd reciprocate a little bit. And I'm like, nah, 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 I don't feel like it. No. <laughs> and he, he very gently, and it's hard to hear him because there's really loud music. And I think what he says is, I'll be really sad if you go. Uh, no, someone who does not take my gentle no is not the stranger's dick I want. <laughs> Even if it's at least a demon boy dick. So I go, then you're gonna have to be sad. And I leave. It turns out it's 5 a.m. And I leave with more friends than lovers. So, <laughs> thank you. My first comment is, do you think he's probably named G-E-O-F-F? Jeff? Oh, I hope so. I think he did. Yeah, he did. I yeah. Totally did. I, so. I also really wish Mike Gifford would have been available to do the show as well. You guys could really talk. <laughs> he's been on my show. <laughs> I also yeah. feel like people don't fuck as good as they say or think they do, right? <laughs> For the most part. So when you go to a sex club, it's going to be a lot of talking. Yeah. A lot of talking. I was on Fed Life for a week before I, before I pegged my first dude. Because, because don't nobody want to fucking do it. They're just like, hey, you want to get some coffee? Or did you see that new movie? And I'm like, you want to fuck or what? It is. No, you're going to leave with more friends and nobody's going to fuck. That guaranteed. I already knew that was going to happen before you said, we want a sex club? You leave it with like a hundred friends, bro. <laughs> Everybody's going to be your friend. And then, you don't, but you do leave fucked. You don't want to fuck. I was like, oh, I fucked myself. That's what <laughs> that was awesome. What a good night this was, right? This made me feel really good about doing the show again. Thank you. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for having us. This was an awesome. This was an awesome night. We have good, good stories. It's up and down and all around. I think we did great. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, thank you. We're gonna do this again. We we will. Everyone, give it up for Lily and Jenny. Let's do it. The way your stories close out. Some more music. Give it up for what do y'all call it? Well, uh, I guess we're still cover stories, right? Cover yeah, stories. yeah, yeah. Cover Give stories. Give it up for cover hey. stories. I also feel like this song that we're about to play 
if this story you just told was like a monologue in a musical, JJ, this would be the song that would lead, that yeah. would like yes. the, monica, the monologue would lead into this oh song. So, <laughs> Lily uh, got on me before the show. She's like, why don't you ever tell your own stories? I'm like, well, I kind of talked before the song. So I'll tell a little story about this. Um, Lily suggested that we play a song that was made by an artist who maybe uh, kind of had some of the same medical issues that we talked about tonight, like a stroke, frankly. And so I did a little bit of Googling, and it took me five seconds to figure out the answer. Uh, eight years ago, Tuesday, Clarence Clemens passed away of a, of a stroke. Uh, if you guys don't know who Clarence Clemens is, he was the sa- uh, saxophonist in the E Street Band, which is obviously Bruce Springsteen's band. Uh, he meant a lot to me. They called him the big man. I don't think it's a lie to say that he uh, brought the soul to the E Street Band. He probably legitimized the band in a way that no other musician could have done. Um, we're not playing a Bruce Springsteen song, however, because... Clarence's last song that he worked on and is actually in the music video for was not a boss song. It was uh, by this artist you might have heard of named Lady Gaga. What? Uh, yeah, so he recorded a sax solo for Edge of Glory. And that was the last work he ever did. And about a week after the music video came out, he passed away of a stroke, unfortunately. Uh, it was very sad. I was thinking about it this week because I told you I went to that terrible Shakespeare thing. It was outside. And the last outdoor show I'd seen before that was the, um, it was the Bruce tour right after Clarence passed and so I remember just like my memory of outdoor concerts now is like this big eulogy for Clarence Clemens so I was thinking about it a lot while I was watching drunk people perform Shakespeare anyway this is Edge of Glory good story yeah (laughs) there ain't no reason you and me should be alone tonight baby tonight baby but I got a reason you're the one who should take me home It's right when it's so wrong tonight, yeah, baby, tonight, yeah, baby. Right on the limit where we know we both belong tonight. It's hard to feel the rush, to brush the dangerous. I'm gonna run right to, to the edge with you where we can both fall for in love. I'm on the edge. Of glory, and I'm hanging 
dias, 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 dias. to go home and listen to Jungle Land, which is the greatest saxophone work that has ever existed. This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening. <laughs>